0: I communicate a lot better in writing, you know, because you can kind of think through your thoughts and revise them. And so I think, you know, writing articles about some of the topics that I talk to clients about really helps me, you know, get my thoughts on that topic down and be able to communicate them in a way that even if you're not my client, you know, you, I can share this article with you. You're listening to Your Financial Planner Now What? the podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients.
1: Today, I talk with Jamie Bossie, where we talk about Jamie's career as a financial planner and how her passion for early financial education and her family's adorable Welsh Corgi inspired her to become an author of a children's book on finances. We'll also talk more about how Jamie serves the clients at her firm and how that has evolved over time. But first, this episode is powered by Are your clients asking you questions about Medicare and their plan options? Medicare can be complicated and confusing, and it could leave you with more questions than answers. Even for an experienced planner, Medicare can be challenging, but it's an important key to financial well-being. United Healthcare is proud to team up with the FPA to provide you with help and information around Medicare. To learn more about United Healthcare and get your Medicare questions answered, call 855 857 9751 or email FPA info at UH Well, thanks for joining
0: us today, Jamie. Thanks for having me, Hannah. I'm excited to be here.
1: So there is so much to talk about with you today from your career path to your, um, the children's books that you're writing and all that you're doing in, in that space as a money boss mom. But before we dive into that, I would love to know how did you kind of find financial planning?
0: Good question. So, I uh, went to college thinking I would be a teacher. Um, I grew up in a family that no one else had been to college before. And so, I didn't have a good view of what kind of careers were out there. And I thought a teacher would be a great one. Um, and my parents actually filed for bankruptcy when I was a sophomore in college. So, I kind of stumbled upon financial planning because I needed to learn about financial planning. So I, um, when I learned of the news of the bankruptcy, I, you know, had a lot of questions. I was like, what does this mean? How did this happen? Like, am I going to have to move home and raise my siblings? Like, what do I do? And so I knew that I hadn't gotten a good financial education, so I needed to educate myself. So I signed up for a personal finance class at Kansas State University, where I was going, And then really was, you know, just enthralled with the topic and thought it was a really great, great career path and could be a great way to help others learn more and how to have a better, healthy financial life.
1: Well, and I just love it how, you know, it's always the idea of why is so important in a career. And I just love that, you know, like your why was, I mean, deeply personal and impactful in your life. Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, it feels a little bit selfish sometimes that I really stumbled into it because I needed to educate myself. But I feel like having gone through that process too, you know, I think I am more relatable to the clients I work with and and I'm really excited to help people get out of tough situations or, you know, have a brighter future.
1: So you went to school for financial planning. Were you able to find a financial planning job like then soon after?
0: I was, yeah. Um, At that point, you know, it was 2004, so the programs, you know, weren't that that big at the time for undergraduates. But it seemed like there was a lot of jobs opening up for associate level planners. And I actually ended up going to uh, Dallas for my first job because the you know Texas Tech University has such a big program down there. They have a they cater really well to new graduates.
1: And Dallas is a great place to live. And Alice is a great place to live for sure. <laughs> Not that I'm biased or anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You've had a number of different um, stops along the way in your career path in different firms that you've worked at. And I'm curious, you know, what have you found to be, you know, what are the, what are the roles that really, that you enjoyed the most in your, in your time, in your, in your career?
0: Good question. Um, yeah. So my path I've worked at, three different types of firms, really. Um, You know, my first job out of college was in a smaller RIA. You know, there was five people that worked there and one lead advisor. And so in that job, you know, it was a small firm. So I did everything you know, I met, met with clients, I vacuumed the floor, I opened the mail, I bought Christmas gifts for the lead advisor's children. Um, you know, I had my hand in compliance, all, all of the above. I just did, you know, everything. And so that was a really good kind of view of the industry um, in a small, um, a small firm. And then my next career was in a... Uh, a large bank. So in the private banking sector of a bank and that what also had its ups and downs. You know, I I felt like it was a really good spot for me at that time because the bank offered a lot of support. You know, if I wanted to take a class, they would pay for it. If I wanted to uh, get another designation, they would pay for it and support that. Um, And they also taught a lot about, you know, branding and professional development, so that was a a good stop for me too, but it was a different uh, type of client because you had to. It was a higher net worth client base, so different issues and a lot of trust based uh, projects. And then also it was a really big bank, so it was a a whole different feel. And then my job that I have now, that I've had um, for the last seven years, is at a, a mid-size RIA. That is, you know, there's fifteen of us, so it's a it's a really good fit because it's you know, big enough to be, you know, run by like a business, but small enough to still be nimble and have a voice and be able to, you know, impact what the future looks like. So, but I would say across all those three places, you know, the the thing that resonates the most with me is that I enjoy, you know, meeting with people and having them share their concerns, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, and then really taking them, you know, either one step further or to the finish line to get um, from point A to point B to where they feel like they have some peace of mind. You know, they feel like they're doing the right things and you've really helped them, you know, either accomplish something or give them peace of mind that they're on track for a good, good financial life.
1: Oh, I love that. The idea of helping people, I think is such a common theme when I talk to financial planners.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, what a great career. You know, you do this for pay, but you're really getting to enjoy getting to know people and helping them live a better life.
1: What's great about your story is you've had, you know, these different experiences at different types of firms. And one of the things that I'm really interested in is how do you, how did you grow as a professional? Like what were some of the, the ways that you became better, a better financial planner throughout those experiences?
0: Good question. I think a lot of it is. um just growing and having life experiences. So, you know, when I first started out, I always felt like I had imposter syndrome to some degree, you know, cause I was young and had never bought a house myself, but let me tell you about how this mortgage is gonna work and, you know, how to buy your house. Um, so, and then the, the things I was focused on kind of changed. So, you know, when I was young and paying off student loans, I felt like I was, could be really helpful to other people also in that same situation. And now that I'm a parent, you know, I've, I understand firsthand, you know, changing your budget um, when you add one kid to the mix or two kids to the mix and you have to now pay for daycare um, and add that into your regular monthly budget. Um, And once you have more than one kid, you know, daycare can be more than your mortgage. So it's kind of a, kind of a crazy situation. But I felt like just along the way, you know, growing professionally, it's been really important to me to be a member of the Financial Planning Association because they've really helped develop me as a professional. You know, whether it's just interacting with other, you know, seasoned professionals or other people who are um, growing and changing in the field. To you know the, the the monthly you know meeting sessions where we're learning practice management or you know learning about new tax laws or or things like that. I think um, the FPA does a great job of providing that that venue to connect with other planners and learn from each other and grow together uh, to make the industry stronger.
1: Well, and I completely agree with that peer to peer learning. Of you know we can go to all of these webinars. And there's so many online resources like this podcast, but there is just something really different and special about being able to go and talk to other financial planners in your area or across the country who are dealing with similar issues.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just bounce ideas off of each other and and learn best practices. Um, and and actually, it's really nice to just stay connected to people too. You know, I have a, a study group of, of, it's a five total women who are kind of all at the same stage of their career, but got into the industry in different ways. And so that's been really helpful to, you know, talk about, you know, everything from software, you know, how we're using it with clients, um, meeting cadence and, you know, how we do onboarding or how we present insurance or how we talk about Medicare to, you know, how we're paid and how we want to be paid And, you know, the struggles that we faced as women in the industry and just we've covered all the bases. So it's just ends up being a a great group of friends, but also a really professional group that helps you grow professionally.
1: So one of the things, you know, especially as I talk to, you know, newer aspiring financial planners, you know, the idea of confidence comes up a lot, you know, as you're saying, like you're, you're advising people, I mean, on how to, do a mortgage when you've never bought a house or you're advising, you know, people on how to retire when you're decades away from that yourself. How did what did you find really built your confidence in the early stages of your career?
0: Just being honest that maybe you don't know firsthand, you know, about the experience or, or how to go through it, but once you've started to help people through the process. Um, You know, at first you're doing a lot of research, maybe if, you know, your, the book knowledge you have so far isn't, isn't helpful, but you research, you know, say you're helping someone um, sign up for Medicare and then you just, you know, learn everything you can about that and find a way to present it in a simple way to the client. Um, And then once you've helped a few people through that process, then you really have some stories to fall back on too. And you know, you learn from those experiences of you know this went really well, this was a hiccup that they ran into, um, they had a hard time understanding X, Y, Z. Um, so then you can use all that you've learned in those experiences to apply them, you know, to the next people you meet with, or really expand your knowledge base in that area.
1: Mm, I think that's so true. People don't expect you to know all the answers right away.
0: Exactly. And that's something you just have to, you know, forgive yourself for, you know, you're not going to have all the answers, especially in financial planning where there there's so many topics and so many, you know, areas to cover. You can't know it all and you to a, you know, a really deep level. So, so sometimes you have to do some research and, and learn a little bit more before you become a true expert in that area.
1: So, one of the things that I just love about your story is that and about you is that you really have a passion for financial literacy. So tell me a little bit about kind of the development of that passion and like why this is why that's an important important to you.
0: Well, I have four kids, and I feel like as a financial planner, I need to educate them well in the ways of finance um and what kind of kicked it off for me honestly was um. One of my kids, my oldest child, probably three years ago, we were at a store, probably at Target, and he was like, ooh, let's buy this Lego set for like $100, you know? And I was like, oh, it's, you know, that's not in our plan today to buy, so so we're not going to get that. And he was like, well, then just buy it on Amazon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so like he didn't understand that buying something on Amazon was different than buying it at a store. You know that you know he didn't yeah. think that it still cost money. Like he was like, oh well, it's different. You just push a thing on your phone and it shows up at the door. Obviously, um, so that's when I really realized, like, oh man, I have got to find a way to like educate these guys on on financial planning and um, you know find a way to make it fun. Yeah. You know, in our industry, it's, you know, you don't have to look far to see the news about how financially troubled our society is. And if you think about it, you know, a lot of it is because we weren't taught about how to be financial literate as children. You know, you don't learn about it in schools. um, You know, so what you do learn, you just pick up from your parents or your friends, and then the rest is purely trial and error. So I think it's important if there are ways to you know be financial financially illiterate at earlier ages, um, you know that makes a big difference because once you start getting good habits into place, you know then they then they stick.
1: When I think of financial literacy, I'm thinking of adults and I love it how you are thinking about your kids.
0: Yeah, because I think you know just as I think about all the things that we read about right now, you know every year, you know, 700,000 Americans or something like that file for bankruptcy. And like more than half of the families in America are living paycheck to paycheck. You know, people have overwhelming student loan debt, you know, things like that. And, you know, I think a lot of times the problem is education, right? So if you, you don't, you're not educated in these areas, you know, of course, you're going to grow up and have some problems in these, you know, dealing with your finances.
1: This is always my favorite part of the story. When you see a need, what did you do next?
0: Okay, so rewind to that day at Target while we're, we didn't buy the $100 Lego set. Um, so I wanted to find a way to talk about money with my kids, but a way to make it more fun, right? So um, at the time, our family dog, Milton, he uh, was an adorable Pembroke Welsh Corgi. And the kids loved him so much. Uh, Pour one out for him. He uh, passed away in January of of 2020. Um, But I wanted to, um, you know, make it interactive. So, you know, my kids love to read books and I like to write. You know, I write a lot for my company blogs and have done different things for magazines. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I can write a children's book so i wrote the first book uh, milton the money savvy pup brings home the bacon um where our dog milton was the protagonist <laughs> and um just tried to you know think about the different um concepts that kids can understand at different age groups and at the time you know my kids were in the 3 to 5 range so i did some research on what topics kids can grasp at that age group and those were, you know, identifying coins and their value, understanding that money is earned by working, and understanding that sometimes you have to wait and save to get what you want. So I try to incorporate those concepts in the book about Milton, um, and he's desperately he wants to buy a dog bone, but then he changes his mind and wants to save up for some more expensive bacon. So it's his, um, trials and tribulations trying to get to that bacon.
1: (laughs) What a fun idea. I just love it so much. And I love it that you just did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, it wasn't a super easy process. So I, I kind of wrote the book, um, you know, really in an afternoon and then, you know, it wasn't, even close to the final product at that point, Um, but got down all my ideas and brainstormed and then, you know, revised it several times. And then I just sat on it for a while, like, because I didn't know what to do next. So, um, you know, I went to a conference for writers of children's books just to like learn the lingo and learn the kind of what was going on and, and what kind of options were out there. Um, and then I researched, you know, self-publishing in different venues and, and what that looks like. And so, um, you know, it took a while to kind of, to get it to the finished product, but, um, but it was, you know, a fun process. And I'm really excited to have the, the physical book now that I can, you know, share with my kids, share with clients and, you know, share with anybody who wants to learn more.
1: Well, and I can say it's adorable, and I love it. And we definitely have uh, a couple copies here for Alice uh, when she gets, she, she's kind of at the tearing the paper point. So we're no, gonna, I know we're yeah. not there so, yet.
0: But. <laughs> so pro tip: that's the problem with publishing on Amazon is that it has to be a paperback book. And as you know, Hannah, you know a hard board book is much better with children under three <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: Do you see doing another book? Is that in your future? Is that something that you would want to do? For sure.
0: So I have actually already written two more Milton books. And then I'm also working on a book for adults um, focused on young parents. So the other two Milton books, um, the one is, you know, the the first one kind of talks about some basic concepts of money and then, you know, learning patience and, you know, delayed gratification And the second one introduces the concept of, you know, splitting your pay into what you will give, what you will save and what you will spend instead of just spending all the money. Uh, so a girl dog is introduced in the second book, um, who kind of drops some knowledge on Milton about how she deals with her paychecks. (laughs) And so, um, (laughs) so Milton learns these three concepts instead of just always going out and buying bacon every time. Um, and then I wrote a, a, a good night Milton book, um, just kind of a sweet rhyming uh, bedtime story. But those two they're not illustrated yet so I don't have a timeline for sure as to when they'll be available um, but they're out there. so so stay tuned.
1: Well and what I love about even the Milton book, I mean we have a couple clients who you know have kids it's a great client gift. I mean, I know for you directly, but even for like the other planners listening to this, it's a good gift for, for your clients as well. Exactly. Yeah. And it's been fun, you know, that I wrote
0: it because I actually used to give away some children's books about money that Mitch Anthony wrote. Um, so he has a few books out there that are in a kind of a Dr. Seuss format and they're really cute. And I, you know, I bought those for my kids early on and then was using that as a gift for people, um, But now it's really fun to be able to give them, you know, something I wrote.
1: You are also doing this book for young parents or new parents. Is this along the same lines of like, you know, wanting to do more financial literacy in this space?
0: It is. Yeah. Um, You know, I feel like so many things change when you become a parent and, you know, your financial life is part of that. And That encompasses a lot of different areas, right? So not only is your budget impacted and your cash flow, um, but also, you know, your need for insurance changes, your need for an estate plan changes. Um, so I wanted, you know, I write a lot of blogs for our company and um different media outlets on just parent-related issues. So, you know, things you need to be thinking about as a parent, um, things that change when you're a parent from the financial perspective. And so I already have a lot of great you know, blog content on these topics. And I wanted to organize it into a book that you don't have to read the whole thing. You know, it's more of a non-linear manual. So you, you know, you're a parent now, you've heard you need life insurance. Great. Everything you need to know about life insurance is in chapter three. Just flip to that chapter, get what you need, and then go get your life insurance. Um, same with you know like estate planning would be chapter five and you could just, you know, it would be really direct to the point like here's what you need to know and here's what you should focus on and then you know, go to do your estate plan. And then you know a chapter on cash flow and net worth, and maybe a chapter on teaching kids about money. Um, I just wanted it to be uh, easier, you know, because I feel like you know young parents, you know, you're you're busy. You don't have time to even read books for fun anymore. You just need to get the information you need and be able to move forward.
1: Oh, I love it so much. And as a new mom, it's you don't have the time. Exactly. You used to. Yeah. And you're just exhausted. So you need yes. to like
0: <laughs> you need to like get to the point, get what you need to know, and and move forward. Oh
1: yep. <laughs> In your professional life, are you working with young families? Is that kind of who your target client
0: is? I do work with a lot of young families. Um, I would say that, you know, the target of the firm generally isn't young families, but, um, you know, it, it really was, has kind of started out as being executives of firms. But as our firm has grown and evolved, you know, a lot of the the planners in the firm are now, you know, under age 40. And so naturally, more of the clients we attract are you know, people that look like us, right? So people in their 30s who have kids um, or people who are more up and comers that are just starting to um, get to the point where they have more money to save or have more questions about what to do with their income or their career path. And so I would say um, a lot of my focus has been, you know, getting more of the younger family um, crowd as clients Um, because I, you know, I really enjoy, working with that group because it really feels like a cool partnership because, you know, I'm going through a lot of the same things or have recently gone through a lot of the same things. And so we can really relate on a personal level, um, and really make a big impact, you know, because there's a lot of things, uh, that can go wrong financial planning wise at this stage where you're just, you know, getting, getting better in your career, growing in your career. And also, um, trying to manage the family side too. So all of a sudden now you're worried about education planning and you're worried about insurance and you're worried about your estate plan. So helping people kind of get organized and and manage that transition well, um, you know, feels really good.
1: I feel like often there's tension between, you know, working with, you know, executives or, you know, people who have a lot of assets versus people who are in the accumulation phase. Was there tension as the firm kind of built this out? Uh, to where they were serving younger clients as well?
0: I wouldn't call it tension. I would call it just, uh, you know, a general sense of unease and just not being sure of what to do next, right? So, you know, I think on a macro level, you know, the firm recognizes that, you know, we, we need more than just these retirees in our, in our book of business and these executives that are over 50 because um, we need to develop the future, of the firm, right? So I I think uh, you know, big picture wise they were really on board with okay, how do we get these younger professionals and up and comers in in the client base that so they can grow and become these awesome clients down the road. Um so I think, you know, every they were always on board with it. It was just a, a matter of how to do it efficiently and effectively and fairly, you know, from a fee standpoint and everything. Um, so it's, you know, it's still a work in progress about how, you know, how we service them with being mindful of, okay, you know, these clients don't generate as much income for the firm. So we need to really streamline how we service them. So we're not taking the same amount of the associates time and, you know, the back office, you know, time, you know, it can't be the same as it is for some of these, you know, higher higher paying clients that have more to manage and that do more financial planning. So it's still a work in progress really, but the firm's always really been a big supporter of figuring out how to service this group
1: well. What's so great about this is it sounds like you're able to almost help co-create this with the firm.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's um, you know, as I said, kind of a work in progress because we, you know, you you learn by doing, right? So, you know, you can make a big plan for how you're going to do it, but then you you know, start down that path and you realize, oh, this was the wrong way. We need to change direction here. Um, So it's been, you know, some trial and error for sure. But um, I think the firm, you know, wants me to, you know, continue figuring out how to best service this group and, um, you know, teach, teach them along the way too.
1: And so fundamentally, I'm curious how the service model differs for these young families versus the traditional retiree client?
0: Sure. So I, you know, I would say our traditional retiree clients are typically, um, you know, comprehensive planning clients and also have assets under management. So they have a couple of things going on. So the, you know, the financial planning piece is typically a structured, you know, we meet with them three times a year and we cover, you know, all of these financial planning topics. You know, it varies based on what's going on in their personal situation but we're very thorough. We are, you know, their personal CFO. So if we can take the implementation phase completely off their plate, we do. So if we can, you know, just do it all for them, we do, you know, with their approval, of course. Um, And we really, you know, handhold them through, through every situation. And it's typically been a very formal process where there's, you know, documents to take home or, you know, are posted on a portal if they're tech savvy, Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And with the, the serving kind of the younger generation, you know, what we found is they don't necessarily want to work that way. So they don't want us to like prepare a bunch of stuff outside the meeting and present a big thing to them. And then we do it all for them. You know, it seems like they want to be educated And they want to be a partner in this, right? So they just want someone to be walking with them through these life transitions and, and know that they can bounce ideas off of them and, um, you know, work with them to get things done, but they don't necessarily want us to like take it off their plate. You know, they want to be a part of the process and, um, and learn and grow and, um, you know, just have that partner to walk with them through it. Um, and I would say just in terms of delivery of, you know, the planning and the meetings and things is that it's much, much less formal, right? So a lot of times the meetings are more of just a conversation, not necessarily a presentation of some software analysis or a spreadsheet analysis. It's more... Um, like, oh, okay. Like, tell me what you're going through at work with your career plan, and and let's let's talk through that. Um, let's talk through these stock stock options, so I can teach you how they work. Um, you know, and a lot of times, you know, this this generation is more tech savvy, right? So we can do a lot more live planning in the meeting instead of doing the planning and then preparing a report to like print out or or send out. Um, so it it allows for a lot more efficient time management cuz we you know if we need to tweak the financial plan we're not doing it after the meeting we can do it right now while the software's pulled up so it just ends up being a lot less formal and a lot more interactive
1: well and i would imagine some of the prep changes then too like the amount of hours that you have to prepare for the meeting would be fewer
0: for sure yeah and i think um you know some of the topics we're talking about are just educational. So like, you know, we'll talk about like why life insurance is important and how are we going to figure out how much you need um, where it doesn't have to generally be a big, a big to do. It's more like, let me teach you about this in in our time together today.
1: They're already looking, seeking out those questions. So they're going to be much more likely to actually make a change too.
0: For sure. Yeah. Cause a lot of, when they come to us, they generally know, Hey, I need some education on this topic. I, um you know, I feel like I have a lot of balls in the air, and I feel like I've tried to address these different facets of my financial life, but I really don't know what I'm doing, so I need you know some guidance and some education.
1: Are you charging them like a retainer fee for this? Is it an asset under management knowing that hopefully their assets grow like how how is your firm billing these clients?
0: Good question. So that is a work in progress also. Um right now, it's been done a couple of different ways. so, One way is to be more of the subscription type service um, where they generally would pay an upfront fee at the beginning of the relationship and then a monthly fee after that. And then that ends up being uh, about half of the cost of our regular financial planning fee. Um, Another way we've done it is to have them be kind of a junior comprehensive client, which where we would we just kind of cut the financial planning fee in half um, and still work with them, you know, to cover all the comprehensive topics, but, um, it's just less, less time consuming. And some of them do asset management and some of them don't. So we do do, um, you know, the a typical AUM model. Um, but a lot of these younger people, you know, maybe all of their assets are in 401k plans that we don't necessarily need to manage, but we can just help them allocate, and advise them on.
1: Well, that's just so exciting to hear some of these established firms and, and what they're doing in this space as well.
0: Yeah, it's been fun to see how, you know, things have grown and evolved over time.
1: One of the things that you said is that so many things change when you become a parent, which I've learned is so true. But I'm curious, how did your career change when you became a parent?
0: I like that question. I would. It's changed in a couple of ways. So, um, you know, I think from a time management standpoint, you know, a lot of things change, right? Because you are no longer as willing to take on a 5.30 p.m. meeting or go to a happy hour to network. Um, so you're really more protective of your time and uh, mindful about how you're spending your time. So I think for me, you know, I really had to adjust and be like, okay, so I don't want to go to these happy hours anymore. I don't want to go to these after hours events Um, when I can't be with my kids, so how do I, you know, still do that networking and still make that, you know, have those meaningful relationships, um, that I did have in this format previously. So, um, just kind of reallocating your time and, and being more careful with it. Right. So, um, you know, if I only have, you know, this amount of time to get this work done, I really need to prioritize the important stuff first. Um, so it forced me to be more, more mindful about my day and how I spend it. Um, and I think from a client perspective, having children made me automatically a lot more relatable to a lot of our clients. Um, so, you know, I'm, I go through a lot of the same things they're going through where you're trying to balance, you know, saving for your own retirement and saving for education. And, um, you know, maybe you want to buy a bigger house or you you know, you have all these competing priorities happening at all the same time. And I think if you're also in that same boat and you're having these conversations with people, it just makes you so much more relatable. So, and it's actually inspired a lot of my, you know, the blog content and things that I've, written or things that I um, you know, talk about in videos because, you know, it really resonates with me because I'm I'm in it too.
1: I love that so much. You know, and I've often said that being a parent or being a mom has forced me to be a better financial planner and forced me to be a better business owner because you you now have a constraint on your time that really is there, a constraint on your time and energy.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially when your kids are really young, you know, you might not even be getting enough sleep at night. So, um, you know, you're really, you know, walking a a delicate balance of, of how you spend your day and, um, you know, the energy you have and where you
1: spend it. You do a lot of writing uh, for your company and then for outside places. Have you always been a writer and known that this was an interest for you?
0: I have. yes. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, I used to write a lot as a, as a kid, I used to, every time I'd go to my grandma's house, I would write my stories while she was watching her stories of, you know, the bold and the beautiful and guiding light and all that mm-hmm. <laughs> soap opera stuff. Um, but that was really boring to me. So I would write stories, um, they were really terrible. They were about me and my friends and our future life. So it was kind of was kind of sitcom-type episodes. And it was me and my friends, and we were all married to professional football players and mm-hmm. lived in the same cul-de-sac and had a bunch of dogs and a bunch of kids, and they were always getting into trouble. So I, uh, I guess I started out in fiction writing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but writing has always been um, – something I've been drawn to, you know, and I just, if I have a thought that I want to learn more about, you know, it helps me to kind of write it down and process it that way. Um, if I'm feeling a lot of emotions about something, it, it helps me to write it. Um, I feel like in general, I communicate a lot better in writing, you know, because you can kind of think through your thoughts and revise them. And so I think, you know, writing articles about some of the topics that I talk to clients about really helps me, you know, get my thoughts on that topic down and be, be able to communicate them in a way that even if you're not my client, you know, I can share this article with you or you can see it posted on LinkedIn. Um, And hopefully, you know, it's a, it's a way to reach more people and help get, get that education out there.
1: Has your firm always been supportive of you writing? And, And I know you are writing for your firm as well.
0: Yes, uh, you know, the firm has had a blog ever since I've been a part of it. and they were really excited to have my um, blog content be a, be a part of that uh, story because you know when I first came on, the main writer for the blog, you know, it was was over fifty and really focused on that executive type client base and so a lot of her articles were really great about career development and you know that kind of phase of life in your 50s and then when I came in you know I was writing about being a young parent and balancing all those priorities and you know figuring out how to stay sane as a working mom you know those sort of things so I had a, it was a definitely a welcome um, you know different perspective to add to that blog content.
1: Did you ever consider writing your own blog outside of your company?
0: I have, yes. That was actually kind of where the Money Boss Mom name came into play. Um, and I, I wanted to be, you know, have really helpful content on financial planning, but also really relatable content on being a working mom and, you know, all the the challenges that come with that. So I wanted it to be like a funny, informative kind of blog that, you know, that was just really helpful. Um, but I haven't taken the time to really figure out how to, to develop that platform. And so right now it's just kind of come through, through my company and then articles I've written for parenting magazines, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I was planning to use some of that content in, um, you know, the book I write for, for adults. So um, we'll we'll see how that develops. I think the book would be called Money Boss Mom or have Money Boss Mom kind of incorporated in some way.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Well, and I also just love how you're like, I'm just writing and it'll kind of be what it's going to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know, um, you know, what it will develop into, but I think, you know, you grow as you, as you start to do things. You know, I I grew a lot through the process of writing the Milton book and figuring out how to publish it. And I think this will be the same thing.
1: What would be your advice to financial planners who are just starting out into the profession today?
0: You know, learn as much as you can and be mindful of who you're connected to. So, you know, this industry is really small still. So, you know, It's easy to kind of get connected and get ingrained in things if you want to get involved. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, attend local FPA events, you know, once there are real events (laughs) in, in real life again. But you want to hear from other people in the industry and hear from people who have walked this path before you. And take advantage of, you know, some of those mentorship opportunities that happen through the CFP board or through the FPA or through other organizations, Um, because having those relationships outside of the firm that you work for is really helpful because you can, you know, bounce ideas off of them, talk about your career path struggles, um, you know, and you never know where these contacts will lead. So, You know, I made a lot of contacts early in my career and you, and you don't really know where it's going to go, but you enjoy talking to them. And then, you know, I found later down the road, like when I was moving to different states um, and trying to find jobs, it was always so helpful to have that network of people that I had built up over time to reach out to and say, Hey, you know, I'm moving to Kansas. Um, What, who do you know that has a, a great firm there that I could reach out to? Or, um, you know, when I was moving to Oregon, it was like I reached out to someone I met at a dinner table at a conference once and just said, hey, I feel like I remember you lived in Oregon. Is that right? Like, tell me how, tell me what the situation is with financial planning there and what firms I should be talking to. So, you know, I feel like having that network built up, like you don't know where it's going to lead, but um, it's really helped me at every stage in my career you know, as I was taking the next step or making a big transition.
1: Well, is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with?
0: You know, being in this industry, you know, we're reminded daily of how financially troubled our society is. You know, debt levels are incredibly high, you know, bankruptcies are commonplace, and most Americans, you know, really live paycheck to paycheck. So, and it's not just the lower classes that are struggling, you know, it's even folks with great careers and six-figure incomes are having trouble, you know, managing a monthly budget and being prepared for emergencies. So how, you know, how did we get here? Well, for starters, you know, adults today, we were never taught about financial education in school. So what we did learn, you know, you pick up from your parents or your friends and the rest you learn for trial and, through trial and error. So for kids today, you know, that same dynamic exists, but it's even harder to navigate because money has become almost completely
1: invisible. And we don't talk about it. We don't. I know. So there's so much shame and just so much wrapped up into it that it's, it's really hard to unwind that.
0: For sure. You know, especially, you know, our parents' generation, you know, money was still so taboo, You know, it was a topic you just didn't talk about. And it wasn't even that long ago that, you know, husbands didn't even tell wives how much money they made, you know, let alone talk about money with their children. So, you know, and and kids today, you know, it's so hard for them to get the concept of money and how it works because all they see is mom and dad like swiping a card at Target or pushing a button on their phone and Amazon boxes full of stuff just magically appear at the door.
1: And, you know, I just can't help but think that we are perfectly positioned to really help our country and the and the world in dealing with these issues.
0: Yes, for sure. And I think, you know, it's never too late for this type of education. Um, you know, I didn't really have a financially literate education until I was in college. Um, but with most things, you know, the sooner you start, the better. So if you can engrave in a behavior early on, the better off it's going to stick so you know kids who grew up with a good education around money and healthy habits grow into adults who are less likely to get stuck in a debt cycle or you know are better prepared for emergencies and then they'll be the ones that have the surplus of of funds to support charities and support their communities so it can make a really big impact
1: Oh, I love it. And I just love the example that you are, Jamie, of just saying like, hey, I see a problem and I can just start doing something about it. Well, thank you. Oh, well, thanks so much for being here. Of course,
0: thanks so much for having me.
1: Are your clients asking you questions about Medicare and their plan options? Medicare can be complicated and confusing, and it could leave you with more questions than answers. Even for an experienced planner, Medicare can be challenging, but it's an important key to financial well-being. United Healthcare is proud to team up with the FPA to provide you with help and information around Medicare. To learn more about United Healthcare and get your Medicare questions answered, call 855 857 9751 or email FPAinfo at uhc.com. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.